Hello, my name is John Brink. I'm the uh, podcasting here from Prince George, um, downtown Prince George, British Columbia. Prince George, for those of the listeners that are from other parts, and especially internationally, Prince George is in the center of British Columbia. Beautiful, beautiful place, full of nature. It's about 800 kilometers north of Vancouver. And today it's uh, nearly February the 1st, and uh, we have an interesting guest. Uh, his name is Ron Gallo. I've known him for quite a while, and uh, he is in real estate, and he's going to share with us our, his ideas about real estate, not only in Prince George, but also in the region and in the province. Ron, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, John. Tell us a little bit about your background. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with my dad. Um, okay. The reason why is because uh, there's a building in Prince George that no longer bears his name, but I always refer to it as the Gallo Building. Um, so not unlike yourself who came in here and wanted to make sure that there was a legacy left behind, he did the same thing. He was here very early on in the uh, growth of Prince George. Uh, he had one of three vehicles when the vehicles when? were first here. When? We're talking way back when. We're talking back in the 1940s, 1950s. Yeah. Um, so anyways, he had a butcher shop. He had a restaurant called the Silver Spike Restaurant. And then he used all of that to try and parlay it into the uh, building of the very first brick building in Prince George. Okay. Again, I call it the Gallo Building. We know it as Books and Company. That's on 3rd Avenue. That is. It's right across from uh, the uh, Indian Friendship Center, which used to be the old uh, courthouse. Yeah. It's a beautiful building, actually. It really is. And uh, my dad uh, wasn't around to see how it evolved from the Danish interiors to what it is now. But it's, a, it's very much a cultural gathering. And um, for him, I think he would be very, very proud to see what his legacy is doing here in the city of Prince George. And again, it's, it's a little bit disappointing from a family perspective that the name is not attached to the building anymore, but certainly it does bring a lot of fond memories for myself of my dad whenever I drive by it. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the building when Danny's interior was in there. And uh, I've always looked at it. Uh, I came in in 1965 and, uh, and I think the building was here then. Yes, it was. And it was always kind of looked at as a very special building. Actually, for all the reasons that you said, it was then built out of brick. This was not the normal. Uh, building style then, but uh, you know, a very, very nice building. And a little bit more then about your history? So anyways, yeah, that was, um, uh, you know, that was kind of my introduction to Prince George as well. It was shortly after that that building was built that I arrived. And uh, so I've been in Prince George for well over 50 years. Were you born here then? I was technically born in Vancouver, but Prince yeah. George is my home. Yeah, okay. Um, I was here since I was the age of three, um, you know, I can't think of any other place that I would ever call home. Right. Uh, this was uh, from day one. Uh, certainly there's a lot of people, a lot of faces, a lot of uh, places that, uh, you know, this is Prince George for a home for a reason. And it's been here all my life. My family lives here now. I've got three children of myself. I've got two grandchildren. Tell us a little bit about your children and your family. Well, Michael is the oldest. He was the first Easter baby born in Prince George. Okay. Um, he's got a little document at home from uh, Colin Kinsley, who was the mayor at the time, who congratulated right. us for the first Easter baby in Prince George. They celebrated an Easter birth. I always kind of thought of first of the year. Yeah, the first of the year is the one that's more commonly right. known, but for some reason they did recognize Michael as the first one for the uh, 
Easter long weekend. Right. Uh, Easter Sunday. He was born specifically on, on Sunday morning at 1228 okay. in the morning. Okay. Uh, so anyways, Michael's been here obviously all of his life as well. Two and a half years later, we welcomed Ryan to the fold and he was born on Labor Day. Yeah. You see a trend going here? Yeah, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then shortly after that, Amanda arrived and yeah. she was this close to being a New Year's baby. Yeah. She was Whoa. born December 31st. Unbelievable. Eh? Yeah. So yeah. very, very interesting that uh, our three kids were born so close to statutory holidays. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, a great group. Uh, I think that uh, some of the uh, philosophies that my dad instilled in me, I was able to instill on them. Yeah. Uh, Michael has worked one job his entire life and yeah. uh, he's very, very good at it. What does he do? Uh, he is a uh, warehouse manager and delivery driver for Canadian Springs, has okay. been doing that since he was in high school. Okay. And he's evolved through that. Uh, he's very loyal, very dedicated, yeah. and uh, he is thinking about maybe perhaps um, spreading his wings a little bit and going and getting a little bit more schooling and, and doing something a little bit different. Okay. I think maybe that's because he looks at his dad and I keep trying to remind him, he said, don't follow my footsteps. I don't know what I want to be when I get older. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan works for the city of Prince George. Um, a few years ago, there was a uh, video of a city worker in the month of October who was working on a hydrant that had been clipped by a semi-truck. I remember that. That was my boy. Yeah. That clipped it or that fixed no, it? No, that fixed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the one that was, was in just there going gushing like... water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Amanda has been working very, very hard as well here lately. Uh, the interesting thing about my daughter is I'm not sure if she got it from you or who, but she's gotten into powerlifting. Wow. And yeah, so she's, <laughs> she, does, she does a lot. Yeah. Uh, I know Ryan was doing it until he became a dad, yeah. uh, but Amanda's taken that over. Uh, she works for um, um, a big company here in town, uh, Venture Elevators. Okay. She's been in insurance, but yeah, no, I, obviously I could go on for a long time about All into kids. sports, right? They are, all yeah. of them, all, all a little bit different. Ryan was more football oriented. Yeah. Michael was a little bit more archery and right. Ryan then went into powerlifting and that's when Amanda started kind of following suit. Right. They've both competed at, in powerlifting. They've yeah. both brought home some, uh, some awards some and some trophies. titles from it. Yeah. 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 Good. And you are too, but we'll talk about it a little bit later. So uh, tell us a little bit more about you. What, what did you do? Uh, so you had a family. You were here in Prince George. You, you got all your training in Prince George. You went to school. I, I, I did. And I don't recommend that people follow in my footsteps because I was one of those ones that was able to kind of achieve some of my goals without actually going through school, which is not necessarily something that I would endorse for a bunch of people. Um, when I was in Simon Fraser University looking to pursue a Bachelor of Arts in Criminology, uh, that's when my dad got uh, pretty sick and I ended up coming back home. Yeah. And um, at the time, I was still young enough that I wanted to go and do some... The funniest thing is, is that one of my favorite highlights of my working career has always been the fact that I'm in front of a microphone or doing something for other people. And that all started here in Prince George at a place called the Rock Pit where I started DJ. Yeah, so when was that? That would have been 1984. And that was, uh, so you were a DJ 
And you did that for quite a while, right? I really did. Um, I, I mean, even now, we're a month after New Year's Eve, but uh, even this past New Year's Eve, I was looking at the clock on the wall going, you know, it's not that long ago that I was the one that was emceeing the party. I was the one doing yeah. the countdown to midnight. I was the yeah. one that was making sure that people had a good time on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. And then were you involved in radio and television as well? I was. Yeah. So some of the uh, the jobs as a club DJ ended up parlaying themselves into an opportunity at the local radio station. This one? At, at, it was CKPG Radio. Yeah. Um, at first, it wasn't to be on the radio. It yeah. was just to fill in as an operator, and yeah. I didn't mind that. And uh, it was it was really interesting because I'm known to have a bit of a booming party type voice, but yeah. I guess it doesn't really relay into radio. So I was told at the time that I didn't have a voice for radio, which was kind of disheartening. Interesting. Why would that be? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It was just, it was an interesting thought from the program director at the time. Okay. But the, uh, the, the radio station still believed in me. And yeah. they believed in me enough that they allowed me to be the operator to start. And then they gave me one of those really odd live shifts on the weekend where, yeah. you know, the demographics and the listeners and the ears tuned in are, are low. Yeah. And then I decided that I liked television. So I started working inside television part time. Uh, as situation would un unfold and it just happened that way. Uh, there was three people that ended up being away all at the same time for yeah. different reasons. So and you were it. Somebody needed to step up and make sure that the newscast went to air. And yeah. that was me. Yeah. So that ended up turning into a full-time position as the master control supervisor. So, so, so what happened is saying, where is, where is this one, that one, that one? We got no one. You're it. No, were you I'm nervous? It. Obviously, yeah. yeah. This is this is live television. This yeah. isn't an opportunity to be no, able to do anything do else. It. The news is the news happens. It happens yeah. live. <laughs> so you know there was a lot of people there. Uh, some of them are no longer around, which is unfortunate. But uh, Mike Woodworth uh, took a lot of time to try and help yeah. me develop as a technical director because he was of there course, for a long time. He was, yeah. and uh, he he of course cared about his reporters and yeah. the people that were delivering the news. Very dedicated individual. And I'm behind the scenes. People yeah. don't see me, but yeah. I'm the one that can make them look good, or or I'm the one that if I make a mistake, they look really bad. Right. So yeah. you know, it was it was important that we all work together as a team. So how long did you do that? Quite a few years, actually. Uh, I ended up doing that for. I was at the radio and television station combined for 17 years. Yeah. So you, so that's a career. Mm -hmm. So what happened then? Because then you switched. Yeah, if my uh, if my mom and dad were uh, realized what I had done, I mean, I think I'm pretty thankful for my wife for sticking through with it. So 2007 rolls around. If you follow junior hockey, that date means something to the people that follow the Prince George Spruce Kings. 2007 was the year that they won the bid to host the junior championship, the national championship. Yeah, Prince George. And um, so at the time, the radio station was going through, television station was going through a little bit of a restructuring. Um, so they were changing some of the job titles and the people that were in different jobs. They didn't want to lose me, but because it was a union shop, they had to go through a certain format and a, new, and a formula. So they had to offer me an either or. So it was either or a package to be laid off 
or it was um, a lower position uh, still in television. In my so the, or didn't work for you. The in my infinite wisdom, my decision was to choose the package and uh, go and help the Spruce Kings host the uh, RBC Royal Bank Cup. Okay, uh, I've been with the uh, Prince George Spruce Kings for 28 seasons now. Uh, it was something that I was very passionate about, very dedicated about. I've done everything with the Spruce Kings except skate for them. I've yeah. been behind the bench in training camps. Um, certainly, I've worked in the office. I'm more commonly known as the uh, the voice and the person who plays the music too loud at the uh, at the arena right now, and have been for a number of years. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly that was that was that was a defining moment in my in my but life. But you're still involved now. Still involved. They've got a big game. Uh, they've got uh, they've got a big game. We're we're recording this perhaps on the day before the uh, the big game, but they're recognizing 50 years of hockey wow. through five nights in the season called Decade Nights. Right. And the next one is going to be the 90s night. Yeah. Wow. And that is in the next couple of days. Exactly. Yeah. And then you'll be uh, uh, handling the music and the commentary and all of that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. In-house. In-house. Yeah. In-house. Yeah. Uh, they've got uh, a different broadcast team, but I've done that as well. I've done the radio play-by-play -play, yeah. uh, on the radio station and traveled on the bus and uh, yeah. yeah, I've done it all. So, so there, and uh, I didn't add it all up, but uh, in any event, that you're still doing that after all that time. And then you made some more changes in your career path as well I did. from time to time. I did. Uh, I wanted to try to quote-unquote retire from the Prince George Spruce Kings, but unfortunately volunteers don't retire. No. <laughs> um, I left the, uh, the Spruce Kings to um, pursue auto sales at Prince George Motors. I was selling Ford vehicles. Yeah. I was doing that for about four years. And... Um, it was during that time that you, Scott, Sonny, uh, all recognized me and uh, offered me an opportunity to try real estate. Yeah. So I'm 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 into real estate thanks to you, John. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And so we set up a company, uh, you know, the uh, real estate company, and you were one of the key individuals there. Right? Well, I certainly do appreciate that. I certainly yeah. think that the key individual is the person that's sitting across from me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's your vision, it's your belief in people that uh, definitely give people an opportunity to succeed. And sometimes they succeed beyond their expectations and they don't know what to do with it. The key to that, uh, Ron, in my opinion, is uh, you know the foundation of my life has always been attitude, avoid the negative, passion, find your passion, and then that makes going to work so much easier in the mornings and you give it all you got and then work ethic, which then results into success. Oh, 100%. And you have that in spades. And that's probably where the problem with the radio was that you were so excited about being there, you know, that they were maybe not quite used to that. No, mm. it's, it's, it's probably, it's probably true. And I mean, to expand on your cliche, find something that you enjoy to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Precisely. Yeah, absolutely. So then, uh, then uh, you know, we kind of brought you into the real estate away from the cars. 
and uh, you, you then took the courses in real estate and did all the other things and then started to do it. But you have that natural people thing about you that uh, and, and, and uh, creating contacts and you became quite successful in your field and still are doing it today. I, I am still doing it today and I think... I think a lot of it is because of my longevity in the city of Prince George. It, I think it includes my longevity with the Prince George Spruce Kings um, and certainly being uh, active in the community. Uh, it's one of the interesting things about Prince George. Prince George has so many things that are unique to them. When other cities try to duplicate them, they never, they never achieve the same success. No, I agree with that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I guess where, I, where I'm going with all of that is that, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but certainly I'm not here without the support and the belief of people in me. Oh, there's no question about that. The other thing that you've been quite involved in was the cancer clinic and all the things around it, and especially the biking. Tell us a little bit about all of that, because you've been very, very instrumental in, in getting that off the ground, and obviously you're still very, very active in it. I have to find the date on my calendar because I'm not very good with some anniversary dates when they re involve me. But in the month of February, it'll be 10 years to the day when I had my aha moment. My wife said, we're going for a walk to Spruce Land. And that's only two kilometers from where I live. I'm hanging around with hockey players. I'm seeing endurance sports athletes. I'm identifying myself as one of them like i'm 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 in that kind of ballpark if you will yeah so i didn't think of myself as being out of shape or in trouble right until i went on that two kilometer walk john yeah yeah uh it took a lot out of me to get to the uh the save on foods at spruce land mall right and i was so happy when we were there and then the realization set in that i'm going to have to walk back yeah and that was really the aha moment for me. Yeah. So 10 years ago, we had a four-year-old uh, puppy at the time still. Yeah. She became the biggest benefactor of it because the very next day I got up, we started walking. Yeah. We started walking and yeah. walking and walking. And that's all I was doing. Yeah. I hadn't adjusted my diet mm -hmm. or anything like that. And everybody is going to have mm -hmm. different paths to success when it comes to weight loss or, yeah. or physical health. For me, I was drinking way too much pop, soft yeah. drinks. And as soon as I stopped drinking those in combination with the activities that I was participating in, daily walks, the weight fell right off. Healthier lifestyle. Way healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and even today, 10 years later, I think I yeah. still deal with... Uh, with those demons, if you will, uh, yeah. processed foods, some of the sugars and stuff like that. Otherwise, I'd still be lighter than I am right now. But I, right. I, I've lost a lot of weight. and You're looking I, in good shape. I thank you. Um, I, I attribute a lot of it to the walking that I started in 2012. And it wasn't until uh, 2013 that we kind of parlayed that into hiking. I realized that I was too heavy to run and right. it's too hard of a, a, a shock onto the system, on especially on and, the knees. Yeah. So we were doing some hiking and a good friend of mine decided that we're going to go and hike the West coast trail. Okay. And we thought, well, why not? Um, it's a seven day 
hike? That's a big one, right? It's a huge one. Up and uh, down or what? Lots of up and downs. If yeah. you haven't done the West Coast Trail, depending on the time of the year, the weather will play an impact. Where is it for those of our guests that are listening from outside of British Columbia? So if you're looking at Vancouver Island, uh, yeah. the southern tip is Victoria. Just above Victoria is a place called Port Renfrew. Okay. And then if you follow that um, western shoreline, okay, up you'll find Alberni Valley. You'll find Port Alberni, and yeah. just south of there is a place called Bamfield. Okay, south of Tofino. Uh, yeah, Tofino and and all of that. But you've come inland a little bit yeah. at this part. At Bamfield. This, yeah. yeah, Bamfield is right below Port Alberni. So from Port Renfrew to Alberni Valley, yeah. or sorry, to uh, Bamfield is the West Coast Trail. Yeah. How many Ks? Uh, honestly, can't remember. But you can do it. You can do it in... Some people have been known to do it in three days. Certainly would never recommend to do it. More common is a fast time is five days. And the most popular is seven days. Yeah, Very popular though, eh? because uh, I've heard it many, many times. I, I have not yeah. done it, but uh, you know. Yeah, there's yeah. ladders, there's hand, um, hand carts that you have to pull yourself across little gullies. Right. Uh, you, you end up uh, walking right, across, uh, right along the shoreline. You camp along the shoreline. It's, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, if we have a minute, I'll just tell you one of the most devastating yeah. scenes that I've seen, though, is the plastic waste that gets washed up onto the shoreline. Yeah. Such a pristine area of the province, and yet it's, it's damaged by all of the plastics. Yeah. And, and again, plastic, 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 we have to find it other way, right? Yeah. You know, and that includes shopping bags. And uh, around my house, anything plastic, we're not allowed to have it. Uh, uh, my wife is very, very strict about it. It is yeah. so tough, though. I mean, yeah. you go shopping at any store and everything seems to be packaged in plastic. We can find other materials that will replace that, that are friendly to the environment yeah. other than plastic. But anyway, that's a conversation, but we both feel the same about it. Yeah. So you did that. And then where does, do, do, does the bike come in? It actually in? comes into play on the West Coast Trail. Okay. Okay. You have this much time and you're with two or three other people and that's yeah. it. Yeah. You talk about everything. Yeah. Well, the conversation came up. Have you ever heard of this bike ride that goes from Vancouver to Seattle? No. No. And well, what is it? And we, I don't know. We just, we heard about this bike ride. We got to figure it out. So sure enough, came back to Prince George, started doing some research. And there it is. There's this bike ride. It's called the Ride to Conquer Cancer. And it goes from Vancouver and it ends up in, um, uh, it's Redmond, but it ends up in Seattle. Yeah. So it turns out there's a team in Prince George. They're called Wheelin' Warriors of the North. Exactly. And they're having a recruitment drive in October. Well, yeah. let's go. Yeah. So next thing you know, we're signed up. And I'm at uh, the Northern Sports Center, Scott ben, McWalter. Ben was it? Uh, this, was, this was still the fall, winter of 2013 going okay. into 2014. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I'm... I'm I'm working my butt off on the bike in the uh, in in the winter time, uh, doing my training and get in shape. Yeah, I got to ride a bike. It, this yeah. is this is a huge ride. There's yeah. going to be two days of riding, and it's 120 some odd kilometers each day. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. And I still remember to this day, I had this old bike, and it was heavy and all the rest of it. But that's my bike. 
Yeah. And I went out on a group ride. It was April, could have been early May, but it was, it was springtime. And I'm just sweating. And I'm like, there's no way I'm this slow. So I'm just fighting to keep up with the other people. And um, uh, the real cycling bug did not bite until I went and talked to Hans at Evolve. Yeah. And Hans said, well, you need a road bike, Ron. Yeah. So he set me up with a road bike. I got on there. It's like wind. In comparison, yeah. I, I felt like a schoolboy again. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was an amazing experience to yeah. get on that bike and just sail away. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm looking over my shoulder and everybody's behind me again. Yeah. And some people still say to this day, that was the day that I went forward and never looked back. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's true because that's where the cycling went. So we trained through the summer. Yeah. Um, the ride itself... It's not a race, but um, that first year was a little bit different. The first year was a great big windstorm. It was yeah. huge. It downed trees. It downed power lines. It blew porta potties across the park- parking yeah, yeah. lot. It was bad. It was tough to be able to ride in that, um, but we did. And then the next day, it was a little bit calmer, and we're in the state of Washington, and we're riding the rest of the distance on day number two. The devastation from the wind in the cornfields was absolutely amazing. Every yeah. corn husk was just bent straight over. And um, uh, it was during that ride that I realized that, you know what, I, I'm stronger than, I'm faster than most of the people that I'm riding with. I, I think I should look for something a little bit different. Right. So again, back online and start looking for different items. And I found um, a race that's called the Grand Fondo Badlands. And Say again. Grand Fondo Badlands. Okay. It's, it's called a ride because there is a little section where the riders on the bikes have to get on a ferry. Okay. And the ferry takes you across the Red Deer River. Okay. And then you resume your ride. Where is it? Drumheller. Okay. So my sister lives in Airdrie. I'm like, this is a great opportunity. I get Alberta. to do more of a bike ride. I get to go visit my sister. Yeah. And uh, it was another eye-opening experience because I missed the first ferry. Yeah. Like all of the best riders were on that first ferry because only so many can get on a ferry at a time. Yeah. And then you got to sit and you got to wait for the next You ferry. were not part of the first group. I wasn't part of the first group. That only happened once. It hasn't <laughs> happened since. Yeah. I've uh, done the Grand Fondo Badlands now five times. Yeah. Um, the very first time that I did it, I finished like 97th. The next time I finished, I finished in the 40s. Next yeah. time I finished, I finished 24th. Yeah. Uh, then I finished 10th. Yeah. And Amazing. That's, yeah, that's where I'm at lately. Yeah. So that then... And then you train a lot, and I've seen you guys training, because uh, how many people are in that group here in Prince George? It, it varies from year to year, but every year it seems to have a little bit of an exponential growth. Yeah. Um, I'd be uncertain to say that we are over 100, but we are very, very close, close to, to 100 it. if we're not over 100 registered riders. And the ride now is not from Vancouver to Seattle, COVID times last year, what right. they did was they did something very unique. So with yeah. COVID times, what they did is they broke up the ride into regions in the province. Every region that has a cancer center yeah. had a ride. Yeah. So Prince George has the BC Cancer Center for the north. Yeah. We had a regional ride. Right. I was actually the one that was in charge of uh, coming up with the routes. Yeah. 
So we did a bunch of out and back routes that included short distances for new riders. Yeah. And long, uh, a long 160 kilometer ride for those that Most wanted to bus. do it. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, the, it's now called the Tour de Cure. And yeah. that happened ever since they lost their 2020 ride because of COVID. Yeah. So the ride never happened in 2020. Yeah. In 2021, it was the regional ride. Now in 2022, what the Tour de Cure is going to look like is a ride that's out and back from Chilliwack with wow. three distances, 50, 100, and 160 kilometers. And when is it? It's, I have to double check. It's the Saturday in August. I think the August 26th. People weekend. that want to participate can still contact you? Yeah, 100%. You, yeah, yeah, if anybody wants to contact me directly, yeah. um, I mean, I give my phone number. They can give yeah. me a call and tell yeah. me why they're calling because they might not be on my phone. I have lots of contacts, but not yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh, 250-617-9268. Okay. Give me a call and ask me about the, uh, the cancer ride now called Tour de Cure. How much did it raise the last time? Every time we do it, it uh, raises a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, this group, big thanks to Karen Pichet and uh, the people that started this a number of years ago, uh, they passed the $1 million mark. Yeah. Uh, since I was involved in 2014, especially since I became a co-captain in 2015, what I've seen is I've seen the growth of riders and I've seen the growth of fundraising dollars. Yeah. And the more importantly, what I think I've seen is the money that was being raised here in Prince George was going to Vancouver to be dispersed around the entire province. Right. Now what's happening is the money that's being raised in Prince George is Stays staying here. here. Right. In fact, we're getting topped up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and th that again, uh, you know, is, uh, it's amazing the amount that was already raised. And obviously we uh, individually and as a company have been quite involved in all of this as well. Because an, an amazing initiative, amazing individuals in our cancer clinic here is also amazing uh, together with the university uh, hospital and we want to bring it even further than it is already and that's all a work in progress right one of the things that i want to add to that it is a work in progress but one of the things that i want to add to that is when you look at the number of riders and see their background yes there's a very diverse background yeah i'm real estate right i i fortunately don't have the disease that we're riding for. Right. That's not true with all of the riders, but a great majority of the riders that we come from are have been that, affected. And they come from the health industry. Yeah. So the BC Cancer Center for the North themselves, I mean, I could probably list off seven riders off yeah. the top of my head that, that work in that office yeah. that benefit because of the money that's being raised no so that they can do their work. Yeah. They know the importance of this. Yeah. They're the ones that are out there riding trying to raise even more money. Yeah. So if you want to see just how important it is, yeah. take a look at who's riding. Yeah, and, and then the other part about it is for those that want to participate, uh, it goes directly to the uh, uh, fundraising for cancer and it stays in the north and it gives people to an ability not only to do something that is healthy, it's an amazing group of individuals, but also to directly add to the fundraising. Absolutely, and, and, and I, I do want to thank the Tour de Cure because one of the things that was 
I mean, it's a huge challenge. I felt it in 2014 when I was training for it. You're looking at all of these miles and you're going to have to ride for two days. Yeah. Uh, what the Tour de Cure has done now is not taken away the ride, but they've realized that the ride needs to be a little bit more open and yeah. a little bit more inviting and certainly having a 50 kilometer distance to ride yeah. is, it sounds is, like a lot but for it's some a, people is doable then right exactly yeah yeah excellent so now and shifting gears a bit is that we want to talk about real estate you know so and obviously you're a realtor you work for royal page now yeah, yeah. And uh, tell us about the, the real estate market first in the Prince George region. And since I came here in 1965, uh, you know, real estate was altogether different then. And houses that were built in the 60s, 70s, 80s used to, 5, 10, 15 years ago, used to sell for about $150,000 a place and they'd be nice with a nice basement, three bedrooms, nothing overly fancy, with a grass or a carport, and it used to be $150,000 plus or minus, and then, uh, then it shifted to the one, $150,000 became a two, to two fifty. then it became a three, then a four, then a five, and now, for sure, those houses that you're talking about, uh, I just showed one the other day in the Miller edition, uh, $450,000. Um, and that's a house that was built even before 1965. That was built in 1955. Yeah. Um, for sure, you are looking at houses that have been here for a number of years, um, selling in the 350 to 450 depending on what features that they have. There's right. definitely one feature that everybody wants nowadays and that's the investment opportunity with having a rentable suite yeah that, that that's a mortgage helper right yeah. something like that right the other thing that i've noticed ron and uh, you being in the field is that the market even now is still active uh, you know meaning that there are more buyers than sellers a lot of times which drives the the market yeah. but also that Prices are going up higher, and houses that were a million dollars were totally uh, seldom. You would you see any houses here like that? Right now, it's more or less not quite common, but quite regular. You see that uh, houses approaching that level, and and nice houses and houses that are being built here can compete with anything that is built in down the coast or in the Okanagan or on the island. Uh, you know, so our style has changed, costs have gone up obviously, and people demanding more things in their houses. Absolutely, and I mean, you've touched on so many things there, John. Uh, let's start with the million dollar property that you've uh, alluded to. It wasn't, it wasn't even three, four years ago where if you heard that there was a million dollar house in Prince George, you went, what? Really? In Prince George? And now you're seeing 1.65 million. There's two houses right now in Prince George that are for sale for $1.65 million, two of them. Um, to have a million dollar listing is not uncommon in Prince George anymore. Yeah. And, and that's all happened within the last four years. Um, certainly the builds have gotten stronger, like you said. 
but uh, there is a demand. And when we look at, at prices, if you roll the clock back almost two years ago, that's when we were starting to hear about this COVID disease that was coming across and it was starting to affect different things. And in March, everything went into a shutdown. I think it was April or May where the government decided that they had to do something to make sure that they allowed the economy to continue. And right. one of the big things that they did was they lowered that Bank of Canada interest rate. Exactly. Uh, that Bank of Canada interest rate has been pretty stagnant for those two years. Yeah. Uh, well over a year and a half. There's yeah. now talk of it it's going to start going, coming back up again. Maybe in March. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, what happened with that is it did allow for the real estate market to take off, to become yeah. a bit of a boom. And there's, again, another reason for that. What we're seeing is we're seeing people that have had an opportunity to sell their houses in the lower mainland and end up with a surplus of cash that they're able to bring to Prince George because they can now work remotely. Cashing in at the equity, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm working with clients right now where both of them work remotely from home 95% of the time. Yeah. The only time they're ever going to the office is maybe for um, a, a quick little meeting and yeah. the meeting is in Vancouver. Well, the flight time is still only an hour. It's, it's no problem, right? And then the other part, but, but I feel people are starting to discover and, and uh, you know, our, our uh, uh, viewers can see behind us is Prince George's blue sky and uh, not untypical for uh, Prince George at this time of year. A little bit brisk around the zero, but still very, very nice. But the area is such a beautiful, beautiful area because uh, all around us is uh, forest and uh, we see lakes, uh, we have hundreds if not thousands of lakes always in a small distance. We have uh, uh, wildlife here, may it be foxes, may it be moose, may it be deer, may it be bears, may it be grizzlies, you name it. It's all, it's such an amazing place to live. It really is. Um, and it's, it's funny that you talk about Rural in Prince George only takes like five minutes and you're in a rural area. 20 exactly. minutes and you're, you, you know, like you're definitely outside of the city of Prince George. But in that five to 20 minute distance, that's where most of the growth has been seen. Yeah. Now, the BC assessments that came out, they represent prices that we saw back on July the 1st. Yeah, so they're, they're lagging somewhat, right? Six months behind. Yeah. But even those, you can look at them. And you can see places like Beaverly, where city of Prince George as a whole is considered to have seen 20% growth okay. in market value uh, yeah. for their BC assessments. You go to the rural area and you're seeing 22, 24, 26%, depending if you're yeah. north, uh, west, or south. Yeah. So it, it, it's interesting to see that where you're seeing the growth is actually where people want to have a little bit of space around them. They exactly. want the deer to come through their backyard. Yeah. Another thing that we see it on uh, is as well, I believe, uh, I hear that over and over and over again, is that uh, people from other urban areas are looking towards, uh, uh, you know, the rural, more rural areas to 
places like Prince George, where there is colleges, universities, uh, over my shoulder I can see the new uh, amazing swimming pool that is being yeah. built. The, all the infrastructure, uh, you see we have a symphony, we have uh, uh, amazing infrastructure in terms of from a, a small city perspective and then the hospitals and all the other things and, and people start looking at the north end and saying, you know something? And, and especially with what you already indicated, being working away from offices of downtown uh, Vancouver on the 20th floor or wherever they are, uh, being here five minutes away from the job and then with all the other things around it. Uh, a lot of people looking at this, not only from uh, a living, but also from an investment perspective. The investment perspective, I think, is very strong right now in Prince George. Um, I don't have any kind of real numbers to, to kind of work with, but uh, certainly when you look at some of the investment properties that have been for sale, they have been grabbed up and they've been grabbed up quickly. Right. And a lot of times what I'm hearing from different people, they can't afford to buy the investment property in the lower mainland anymore. They have to look outside that region. Right. And you're right, Prince George shows significant growth. Prince George 10, 15, 20 years ago was still a small community where people went, well, what does it have to offer? Right. Um, since the arrival of the university, that has been steadily changing. And the college. And yeah. the college, of course. But, yeah. the, it, you know, the college has been here for a long time. Yeah. Uh, the university is about 26, 27 years. Um, but, yes, you look downtown over your shoulder and you're absolutely right. You can see three, four buildings that are being sprung up right around us. Yeah. Um, there's others that have been completed. There's the art gallery. There's, there's still recreation. There's still opportunities for everybody. Yeah. Um, so close to nature. Uh, when, you, when you live up here, you either have a place on the lake or you have a friend that has a place on the lake and you have a place to go. And exactly. You're there in 15, 20, half hour yeah. at the most. Yeah. And then there's still an objective also to, uh, uh, you know, it has been going on for years, but it's still something that I deeply believe is, is a building for the performance arts uh, is another building that at some point will happen in Prince George. Yep. Yeah. You know, so the... Uh, uh, and then the the other part in terms of uh, you know we have been working on a center of excellence like that kind of mirrors BCIT uh, you know with more industry happening here and a lot of the trades in particular in the new technologies we need uh, a facility that will train people here in the north who then will stay in the north and and uh, you know we all you know really believe in all of that. I think so. And I mean, I'm speaking to a gentleman that has a great vision. I mean, you think about the trade center that you've, your name is attached to. Yeah. And that happened when we needed trades and exactly. we needed that trades training. Exactly. So, I mean, if, if we end up continuing on that path, 100%, we need to make sure that everything is looked after. Uh, we, we, we touch upon everything, but maybe not quite there fully yet. Right. And, and, and so if you look now at the, from your perspective at the real estate, uh, you know, where, where will it be going uh, from here? Uh, obviously the quality of the developments 
are improving uh, from where before. Uh, not as much thought went into it, but now the market demands that uh, we equal uh, the, the, the building styles and what we put into them uh, as they have in the Okanagan, the coast or the island or wherever else. You know? no, no, absolutely. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but I can tell you that there seems to be a desire as much as we talk about open concept, there needs to be an area where people can feel like they've got away from the rest of the house. Right. Um, what I'm referring to is is like a sitting area, whether it be for a library purposes or right. just like a, a hobby. Uh, workout rooms are becoming quite popular. Yeah. Uh, games rooms are becoming quite popular. So yeah. extra rooms for people to participate with very specific specific activities that they have in mind. Right. Um, so if, if, if you're thinking of it from a building perspective, uh, the quote unquote home office being off the dining room and just being off that counter, that's, that's not enough anymore. People right. need to walk into a house and go, that's my office. Right. And that's, you know, that's the guest room and, and that's where the kids are going to be able to play. Like they need to see that there's these little pockets of activities can happen in these different areas. As far as uh, continued growth and, and, the, and prices, again, don't have a crystal ball. Um, I do see right now we're in a, a, a little bit of a period where we're going to start seeing, again, offers that are at or above list. We're already kind of seeing it. Uh, the banks put a little bit of a hold on that when they decided that they were going to make sure that they were doing uh, assessments with every purchase. So right. to make sure that the, the prices weren't getting out of hand, uh, right. make sure that they were staying close to what the market value could dictate. Right. Uh, that's still the case in Prince George, but gone are the price reductions. Right. When, when we talk about price reductions, if I see a bunch of price reductions on listings in Prince George, that tells me one of two things. Uh, number one, it is priced too high. Right. And the sellers, or sorry, the buyers are savvy to that. Right. Or number two, uh, there is, it's priced too high, not just price point, but based on the condition of the house. Yeah. Um, so, so, Price, or weakness in the market. Well, the weakness in the market usually means that there's extra inventory. Right, right. now, that it's the exact opposite. If yeah. there's a listing today happening right now, yeah. uh, realtors are jumping on that opportunity for their clients to try yeah. and book a showing as soon as possible yeah. because it is going to have a huge number of showings. Yeah. And in three or four days, it's probably going to end up with multiple offers. Yeah. One of the biggest changes that I've seen in the last year is what's now called direction of offers. So a listing realtor, when they're talking to somebody who's trying to sell their house, they'll ask them, do you want to look at the first offer that comes in or do you want to wait until four days from now and review all of the offers that come in? Okay, interesting. That's a luxury that the sellers have today that they didn't have a few years ago. Yeah. A few years ago, it was you never you didn't even, even hear about, it. about that. Yeah, but now because the demand is so high, you can do that. You can say, "I'm not going to review offers until Saturday at two o'clock. Book your showings the next three days, and we'll review offers once uh, once two o'clock rolls around Saturday." Yeah, and that is really not much that is going to change it, other than. Uh, you know, the, the Bank of Canada has announced that they will tighten up on uh, interest rates 
uh, probably in March, but not. Uh, I'm I'm still from the area that uh, you know that in the early '80s interest rates to cool off the economy went as high as well into the 20% rate. That will not happen again. No crystal ball, but I would be absolutely surprised to see it go more than double where it's at right now. Yeah, and and now is it at what? Depending on looking at it from a person getting into the market who's going to ask for a pre-approval mortgage rate, right. they should be expecting to see something between 2.7-3% yeah. depending on the yeah. lender. Yeah. Um, a year ago, it was still possible to get something closer to two percent. Yeah. But uh, so it, it has it has moved up a little bit moderately. But now, if you go and get your pre-approval, that interest rate that you're quoted is locked in for 120 days. Yeah. And if for some reason the Bank of Canada rate drops and your interest rate gets lower and there's an opportunity for a lower interest rate, you get that one. Okay. But if the Bank of Canada rate goes Protects up... Protects you from the upside, right? Yeah. And if the Bank of Canada rate goes up, you still have this good rate for 120 days. Yeah. So if I was talking to a buyer right now, I would tell them one of the first things you do before you even look at anything that's on the market, get that pre-approval. Know, yeah. know that you've got your best interest rate yeah. locked in and know how big of a purchase you can make. Exactly, exactly. And so there is still a lot of activity and then it appears to me there is not quite as much building going on as there was because it takes a long time and I can speak with some expertise because I'm a developer as well, obviously. Yeah. And is that, uh, and we are one of the larger developers in the city and the region, is that... Uh, it takes a long time to get development permits and, and to get infrastructure developed because it costs a lot to acquire the properties and then to put in uh, a subdivision that means put in the deep services and all the other things that are required. The cost is going up and up all the time. Yeah, I'm not an expert in it and I, I, I would hope that if you have any kind of input in it, speeding up that process would help a lot. And I think it's one of the reasons why when you submit a budget for something and it's, you say it's going to cost this much, and then when completion comes and you find out that it costed this much, it's because of that timeline before yeah. you even get to dig, yeah. all of the prices have gone up. Supply chain demands right now have put a real impact on the price of the items that go into building a house. Exactly. You know, so the, uh, but developing a lot of times from the time that you have a property until you can start uh, putting in deep service and put it in on the market is at least two years. So there is risk attached and, uh, you know, and all of that sort of things. But in the meantime, things will keep developing. And, and yep. the likelihood is that prices will keep going up to a certain extent, right? No, absolutely. And I mean, the, it, it's, it's, it seems to be one of the truths about real estate. Real estate yeah. always either rebounds or continues on its upward trend. But still a good investment, right? I, I, For most people. What I'm seeing today, it is the investment to make. Yeah. And even for younger people, uh, although it is tough sometimes, but there are ways in which they can uh, improve it by uh, what you were saying earlier is to have, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 I, I don't like to say a basement because a basement today is usually not a basement. They are usually 10 foot ceilings. Yeah. 
and indeed develop it very nicely into mortgage helpers that will help, right? And, and I think that's the difference where, between what we're seeing being built within the last five years yeah. and previous to that, before it was a basement that was just being renovated into a suite. Right. But now very much so, the new buildings are being designed that their one or a two bedroom suite is part of the house. And, and, and beautiful. Yes. And a lot of times. Yeah. Now that all being said, Ron, so now we are in today and you are uh, a realtor in this very successful one. And uh, you know, the, uh, so where do you go from here in terms of your career? It kind of feels to me like you kind of found your niche between that and still being active in sports and, and, and all the community. You're very involved in the community. You're a community individual. I, I, I think almost to a fault. Um, and, and I say that to be careful what I'm saying. I don't want to work with 100 clients all at the same time because I'd never be able to give them the quality of service that I right. think that they deserve. Right. So I work with fewer clients, <clears throat> um, try and make sure that they're looked after, try and make sure that I'm available for them when they need me to be available for them. But you're 100% correct. Um, in the on my, on my calendar, I have May the 15th circled and I plan on being in New York for the Grand Fondo New York. It's a 160 kilometer pro-am race. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna win it, but yeah. I was strong enough the last time that I went that I was given what's called an elite corral status, which moves me up into a, a close, yeah, closer yeah. to the front of the group and yeah. closer to the professionals that are gonna be racing this course. Yeah. And for me, I just want to be able to finish under five hours and I'll be happy. But certainly, like you said, there's, there's training that goes into that and all the rest of it. So I want to be my client as well as look after other clients that are out there that need their real estate needs looked after. And I can't do that if I'm doing and looking after too many no. clients or focusing too much on just myself. With all the things that you've done from radio to uh, cars to real estate, I kind of think you found your niche <laughs> and the right location. And, uh, and obviously it presents itself in the way you act. Uh, and what I see in you is uh, uh, in, in abundance is attitude, passion, work ethic, and uh, you know, do all the things that you have to do for your clients. I'm pretty sure I know who I'm thanking for that. <laughs> Ron, thank you for the uh, interview and uh, wish you all the luck. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, John. Yeah, thanks, Ron.